In Sunday school with the youth last week, we learned about the law. Uh, Specifically, we talked about the Ten Commandments. I told my wife about this, that we were focusing on the Bible in Sunday school for the youth and basically reading it front to back, and she was like, oh, so start with the easy stuff, yeah? (laughs) Um, Sarcasm, right. Um, I'd venture to guess that only a few of you would call yourselves fans of the Old Testament. Um, This has been almost universally true in my ministry experience. But odds are, you agree with most of the Ten Commandments. Don't murder, don't lie, don't steal, don't commit adultery, worship one God only. It gets a little murkier. It says not to worship idols And you know that that meant figures of gods, golden calves, and fertility statues. But you also know that that's analogous to the golden bull of Wall Street, celebrity worship, the idol of comparison. Honor your father and mother, the commandments go on. And depending on your relationships within your family, you might have an active debate about this. But... You would probably agree with the idea in principle. When it commands you not to covet your neighbor's wife or slave or donkey or ox or any other of your neighbor's property, that makes sense until you realize that it is definitely saying that a wife is a form of property, not to mention slaves. Uh, And that's offensive enough to derail from the point about not coveting stuff in general. And in a world where it's a cultural and professional sin to disconnect from your phone and the internet, I doubt any of us have ever followed fully the commandment to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For one day a week to stop your production and your striving and to just live. So, there might be a few hang-ups out there with these ten rules. Maybe not. But if you were a youth in Sunday school last week, you learned that there are over 600 rules in the Old Testament, 613 to be exact. If you'd like to get a taste of them, go take a romp through the book of Leviticus. I bet that if you did, you'd have the same reaction to them as you do to the Ten Commandments. Some of them you'd be ready to dispense with immediately, rules about polycotton blends, or how to trim your beard, or any number of things about your favorite foods like bacon and shrimp and cheeseburgers, all verboten. But there would be some, I would think, that you would find like an idyllic command from a world that could be. The way the rich are commanded to make provision for the poor and the widow and the orphan. How foreigners and aliens are to be welcomed into your land and into your homes. How debts are to be forgiven after a period of time, no matter what. How loans are to be provided without interest. A world that isn't, but could be. But what we as Christians really fail to appreciate is that I think we don't understand Jesus uh, because we don't understand the law. Jesus lived these rules, all 613 of them. He lived them until he didn't. 
We tend to only remember the parts where he didn't. Here's, here's what I mean. Uh, my wife's an art professor. And when you begin to learn art, you begin by learning basic concepts. You learn value and contrast, line and shape, proportion and anatomy. Uh, she teaches every year this, this really arduous technique to new students where you like size up what you're seeing to be able to reproduce it exactly in proportion on the paper. People have this mistaken identity or uh, this mis- mistaken idea that great, I- that great art is something that just comes from like your overflowing self-expression. It's not true. It begins in the erasure of self, adherence to some unbending rules. Great artists of history followed these rules, lived them, breathed them, perfected them until they didn't. Until whatever was supposed to be learned became a part of them, effortless, no more techniques, and a piece of what was possible in them began to shine through all of these rules. So too with us. Uh, I was chatting to a friend a bit last week about stewardship season. Um, She asked very genuinely where it said anywhere that we were supposed to give a certain amount of money. Naming chapter and verse is the easy part, actually. Um, There was an amount set in the rules. 10% of what you received, money or crops or livestock, was to be given away, returned to God from whom it came. The thing about Jesus is that we get this guy who lives that law and the 612 others until he doesn't. Some of the things he lets go of, we love. He touches the untouchable. Eats with sinners and swindlers and prostitutes. He's called a drunkard and a glutton, which happily I can announce to you on our day of our Thanksgiving feast meant that he ate too much and drank too much. But other times, he goes in the opposite direction. When the commandment says not to murder, Jesus says, the anger that you feel toward another is murder. He says when someone slaps you, turn that stinging cheek aside a little bit and let your adversary get a better aim. The commandment says to give 10%, and he says to be saved, you must give up all your possessions. He takes the canvas and turns the rules into a work of art, an unsettling one, breathtaking, and a masterpiece from a world that could be. In Sunday school last week, we ended the lesson about the law by reading about Jesus, actually. It's when someone challenges him to give the most important rule. You know the story. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's an easy sentence, isn't it? You're answering that on the canvas of your lives. But folded into that work of how you're answering it are a million rules that you are following, consciously or not, about what that means. 
Rules about volunteering and polite conversation and recycling and prayer and Bible study and stewardship, of course. What does it look like to love God with all that we are? That's what I think we're here in this room to find out. From what I've seen, I'm guessing it will be nothing less than a masterpiece.